Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of the IAIB Spotlight. I'm Andrew Zarian, and this is the start of our third season. Uh, we've decided to do the IIB Spotlight in seasons rather than continuing to do it throughout the entire year because I like to have the same guests on. And there's a reason why I like to do that. There are uh, certain things that we like to discuss here on the IIB Spotlight, like audio and video and things like that, that we can't squeeze in to an hour show. So I would like to have the guests on again. And it kind of doesn't make sense to do it you know, every couple of weeks. So what I like to do with the IIB Spotlight is break it up into seasons. Do maybe 10 or 12 episodes, take a couple months off, and then come back with a whole new season. Well, today we are starting our new season. I think we did this the last three, uh, the last two seasons where our first guest was Mike Phillips. And today we are joined by Mike Phillips. How you doing, Mike? Uh, it's great to know that I'm in season. You're, you are in season. Uh, Mike is an audio expert. Uh, we've, we've discussed your career in broadcasting, a uh, longtime radio guy. Your father built a radio station. We discussed that, and uh, you've just been involved in the business for how long? 30, 40 years? Well, well, I guess more than that. My first involvement was on January 2nd, 1962. So you're talking about 40 years. No, that's 50. 50 years. I was trying yeah, to be you're nice. you're not the math expert that Nick oh, is, right? I was, trying to make, I was trying to be nice. I was trying to cut off Thanks. 10 years there. but uh, 52 to be exact. Mike but, is a good friend no, of I, mine. I mean, we... I we, was... Um, now, I was just going to tell you, I, my, my father did build a radio station. I was nine years old and actually had a show on the air. This cute little kid, they couldn't see me, the cute little kid on the radio back in 1962. And what did you talk about? Uh, we're not going to go into that. <laughs> it was a different time, a different place. Yeah. It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. So you did, you did a radio show and, uh, it, you know, it, it's interesting because... You don't run into people that have been on both sides. You've done the engineering side. You've done the on-air side. Now you're doing uh, the consulting stuff uh, on the internet. You are known as the, as the audio guru, guru the <laughs> audio expert. Everybody comes to you for audio advice. Uh, not everybody listens to you. You think? Uh, but you have become the, the voice for audio help. Um, when did you start doing that? Because we're going to be discussing audio a lot today. We're going to be discussing uh, Skype alternatives. We're going to be talking about some misconceptions in podcasting, which uh, there's plenty of. We have a list here of a lot of the problems happening with audio and podcasting, uh, which I'm guilty of myself still. Even, you know, I've been doing this for five years. I think all of us are guilty of doing some of the wrong stuff. Um, I don't, you know, and I'm going to tell you, Mike, you give great advice, but sometimes we don't see eye to eye, and we'll talk about that also. Well, there's hope for you yet, Andrew. <laughs> I, I, I don't always give up on people, and since we're friends, I've, I'm going to stick it out with you. Okay, we'll work. Uh, we'll work on it together. Uh, but yes. uh, before we go into our topic, uh, I want to give a little plug for the IAIB. If this is the first time you're listening to this program. Uh, you're asking yourself, what is the IAIB? The IAIB is the International Association of Internet Broadcasters. We are a centralized group. We're 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 just a group of internet broadcasters. We open this up to everybody. We don't. There's no fees. There's nothing like that. We don't tell you what to do. Uh, we provide information. And the reason why we do this, uh, we want to give as much information away to podcasters and broad internet broadcasters as, as we can. When I started doing podcasting five, six years ago, there were very little resources that you could go to to get information. And a lot of those resources were not accurate. 
they would tell you to do things that were a little convoluted and they would tell you, you know, get this example, buy a snowball. That's what I was told when I started doing a podcast. Well, if there was a resource like the IIB, I probably wouldn't have done that. I probably wouldn't have spent the thousands of dollars on video and audio that I did that's now sitting in a box in my attic, uh, which Mike knows. I mean, it's literally sitting in a box in my attic because I've torn everything apart uh, and I've bought way too many computers. Uh, the reason that, That's the reason why we do this. Now, if you want to sign up, you go to ibroadcastnetwork.org. Uh, you could sign up there. We also have a phenomenal forum. You can sign up for the forum. There's a great group of people on there. Very friendly. Nobody's fighting with anybody. You don't have forum drama happening on there. It's just a phenomenal support group that we have on the IIB. Uh, iBroadcastNetwork.org is the website. uh, Or you can go to forum.ibroadcastnetwork.org and sign up there. Uh, Mike is on there all the time. Mike is a moderator on the forum, and he's helping people out as much as he can. So, Mike, let, let's talk about some of the stuff that's happening. Uh, the last time you were on, we spoke a little bit about some of the misconceptions in podcasting, some of the misconceptions in Internet broadcasting. Uh, we, I, I think we both agree that a key piece, uh, there's, there's two things in, in podcasting that are, are key. One, the surrounding, your environment. Very important to have a good environment. Very important not to have a lot of noise happening, regardless of what microphone you're using. And two... If you are in a noisy environment, maybe a gate would be a good thing for you. Right. I mean, when we say environment, we specifically we're referring to acoustics plus noise. Um, I don't care if you're hot, cold, or indifferent. I mean, as far as the sound is concerned, uh, even before we started the show, of course, I turned off unused computers, turned the air conditioner off so that we don't have the background noise. We use, you and I both use the DBX-286 to sort of gate the noise in between our sentences. And those, thankfully, are are very useful devices. They're not expensive. They're easy to use. But at the same time, acoustics can be important. Now, this is where the debate between dynamic and condenser microphones always comes into play because people say condenser microphones pick up all the background noise, dynamic mics don't. That's true, but if you have perfect acoustics in your room, like a recording studio, there is absolutely nothing wrong with using a condenser microphone. If you're going to use one, use it correctly, pay a lot of attention to your background noise, possibly get a gate, and you'll be successful. You're using a condenser microphone? I am. And I set it up right now. I'm using one. So, uh, What microphone I, I, are you purpose. using right now? What's the mic? This is the on? Sennheiser MKH-416. Okay, which you don't see a lot in podcasting. No, and you shouldn't. You should not. Why is that? No, you don't need it. Okay. Misconception. I've got to spend a lot of money on a microphone to have a good-sounding podcast. And listen, I agree not, with you 100%. 100% Not on true. Uh, and not you true. know what? I've been preaching that to people. I tell people, you don't have to spend a lot of money. You know what? If you're, if you're doing a podcast, uh, start off with an ATR 2100. And the odds are you will never need to upgrade the microphone again. If you choose to upgrade, you're doing it for aesthetic reasons. I have this microphone because I like microphones. I collect microphones at this point, and I'm buying it uh, because I I enjoy having the microphone. Now, if I was doing the show with an ATR 2100, how much of a difference would there be? You know what? There probably is a slight difference in the audio quality. Uh, Mike will probably hear it. I probably could hear it, but the odds are nobody else will. I will tell you that, and as you can see here, is if you don't know what the ATR2100 is, 
This is what it is. You will see if you watch anyone doing a podcast just about when you look and pay attention to what they're doing, if they don't have a windscreen on it or in front of it, you'll see this very often. That's the Audio-Technica ATR2100. The same microphone is the Audio-Technica AT2005. Same microphone. Right now it happens to be a little bit cheaper than the ATR2100. If you're outside of the United States or if you can find a really good deal on one, you can find the Samsung Q2U, this microphone. I think I paid $29 for this one, and a guy who told me about them being on closeout at Target bought some for $17. That's unbelievable. Uh, they sound great, and I will. the reason I bring them up is because they have XLR and USB outputs on them. If you don't, excuse me, if you don't have, <clears throat> sorry about that, if you don't have a mixer, and you want to just use one microphone for your podcast, these microphones have USB outputs on them. You plug them into your computer. There you go. You're ready to go. I will tell you that when I hear a good-sounding podcast, I will, if I can't find it out for myself, I will often inquire of the people doing one, what are you doing? What microphone are you using? Even I get pleasantly surprised by how often somebody will say, oh, it's the ATR2100 that you recommended. It's a great-sounding microphone. It's a dynamic microphone. It is the go-to microphone. And what I say to people when they say, what microphone do I have to have? Do I have to spend $300 on a, uh, a PR40? Do I have to spend 400 on an RE20? No. If you have the money and you want to, go right ahead. They sound great. But if you don't have the money or you're not sure that you're going to stick with podcasting, just go ahead and get an ATR2, ATR2100 AT2005Q2U. If you decide you want to move up later, go for it. Absolutely. Uh, so let's go, let's go down some of these misconceptions. Um, some of the misconceptions with podcasting. Uh, we have a list here we're going to go through. I, I know uh, Mike and I worked on this list. Mike and I worked on this list. Just want to let you know. We both did it. Uh, here's one. A gate compressor limiter will make my audio sound great. It can, but it usually does not. Uh, the problem with a gate limiter compressor is that people don't know how to adjust them or they sound like garbage, one of the two. You can run into either one and not know which one you're going to have a problem with in advance. So if, if you get one, learn how to use it, and the biggest issue with them is overuse. And what I suggest is that if you can hear it working, other than the gate, if you can hear it working, it's too much. And I'm going to comment, if I don't forget about it, I'm going to comment on that a little bit later okay. uh, in the program about some. I, I use a gate compressor limiter. Um, I have a DBX-286, but I also, right now, if you listen to the live feed, we have an audio processor. So we are doing a good amount of processing here at the network. I like a little bit of processing. I know Mike had, Mike's thing is keep it as plain as possible. Just give it a little kick, and that's it. The boom and sizzle should not be over the top. I think a lot of majority of the problem is when people have a microphone in front of them, they automatically think, well, it needs to sound like radio. It needs to sound like radio. And I hear that all the time. And I don't think that's the case anymore. The reason why radio sounds the way that they do is because that's exactly where they are. They're, they're on the radio and they're compressing it for many reasons. They're doing a lot of stuff to the audio. And we don't need to do that on the internet. 
There's a lot wrapped up in that question because one of the misconceptions, there are actually two misconceptions wrapped up in it. One is that if I get a program audio processor, it's going to solve all my problems. The other is that uh, there's no reason to get a, a, a program processor. Both of those are not true. The correct solution is that if you can get the right program processor, and, and which one do you have? You have the Axia Om, uh, I, I have the Omnia multi, Multicast. Multicast. Yeah. Omnia um, One. That's the right one. That's There are others, but that's a great one. And when I say the right one, and that is that you have to be able to adjust it so that you really can't hear it. If you can hear it, it's too much. If you're adding a lot of boom and sizzle, you're going to be sorry long term. The... Um, uh, the the other problem you run into with processors and what you have to be careful with, particularly if the processor is computer-based, is that it can have a significant amount of latency built in. If you're going to do audio accompanying video, you have to have very low latency or real-time processing so that you don't lose sync between the, the audio and the video. Here's another one here. Uh, let's Let's pick a good one. A brand X mixer has better sound preamps than a brand Y mixer. You hear this all the time. I'm guilty of that. You're wrong. I am I wrong? Okay, tell me why. The keep in mind that the mixers that we are using in podcasting and internet broadcasting are really designed for recording studios or recording environments. Those listening environments, there, yes, there's a lot of fiction there, but they, the, the people who are listening to these preamps and making these distinctions have very critical hearing. It's, it may even be a curse to have hearing that good. I don't have hearing that good. Unfortunately, uh, when I was your age, I was wearing headphones and, and running them so loud that my eyes would bulge on every bass note. Uh, that has uh, taken its toll on me. So I don't have really good hearing. I probably cannot hear at this but point. But what are they hearing? Ten- what are they hearing when they well, say this one has a better preamp than the other one? They're very subtle differences, and it's not just the preamp. It's the microphone. It's the uh, it's every part of it. I mean, gosh knows. Even even people argue over the the quality of the wire to connect the speakers to the amplifiers. Uh, and I'm not joking. They really swear they can hear the difference. These differences are so subtle that to some point they're laughable. But when you're talking, and like Spence says, internet broadcasting, for gosh sakes, the once you create a uh, an online presentation or a recording on the internet because of bandwidth limitations and practical considerations, you're not allowing people to download 192 kilohertz, 24-bit digital audio. Mm-hmm. That's not what people are listening to. They're listening for the content for the most part, not not just for the audio quality. That being said, if you go out and spend thousands or tens of thousands of dollars on a microphone preamp mixer, particularly to get a better mixer preamp, no one's going to be able to tell the difference. And and my challenge to anyone who disagrees with that is to look up some of the microphone shootouts I've done where I compare a $30 microphone or in case a $17 microphone with a $3,500 microphone. You would be amazed at how many people pick the $17 microphone over the $3,500 microphone. 
What that tells me is that the differences are very subtle and clearly quite subjective. Also, when you, I, I think your reviews are phenomenal, and I think it's a very fair oh, product review that you do when you compare these microphones. Uh, something that you have to be careful for, here's a little tip. I didn't have it in the notes, but if you're listening to a, a review, for example, of a microphone, find out if they're putting it through processing before they're putting it out there. Because a lot of people take the microphone, they plug it into their audio processor, uh, they have all the boom and sizzle going, and what you're hearing is not a true uh, representation of what this microphone is. Unfortunately, that's being done by some very good equipment reviewers. Yeah. And they're good guys, and I don't want to, to call them out on it. But your your uh, warning is exactly right. Do a little homework. They don't always tell you that. And the reason it's important is let's suppose that you – go to YouTube, you listen to a review of a particular piece of equipment, you say, wow, I really like that. And then it's maybe a, it's an $800 microphone. You buy it, plug it in, and yours doesn't sound as well as his did. Well, the other problem is the microphone does not sound that great because they have tuned this processor for a totally different style of microphone. Which brings up another misconception about uh, audio, and that is that a lot of people think that once I produce my podcast, I've got to run it through Levelator, I've got to run it through processing and multiband processors and all that stuff to get the right sound. And the misconception is that you have to do it. The reality is that it can be useful. It can be helpful to use some of those things. The problem is overuse. If you can hear it working, then it's not good. Now, the issue that I have and what I advise people is to go naked on this one. Don't do it. Don't do the processing. If you're having to use Levelator, you're not watching your audio levels. Yeah. Honest to goodness, a guy, uh, I guess two or three weeks ago, was in one of the social media forums talking about how he had to use Levelator to balance the levels between himself and his guest. I'm good. sitting there. I'm sitting there thinking, why don't you just turn his mic up? Well, why you know are what you it using is? Levelator? I'll tell you something. Um, it's not necessarily, like you said, it's not about hearing the difference. Because there have been times that I have not looked at my board. I haven't looked at my, my meters. And in my headphones, I have thought my guest has sounded leveled with me. I've listened back, and it is totally off-level. I mean, I'm much louder than them. Like, right now, the way that I'm doing the show, I'm not even going based on what I'm hearing in my headphones. I'm looking at the levels. As you should. Because that is a true representation of what is going out there. I'm hitting the exact same bars as you are on my on my console. That's the way to do it. Um, and I'm not a big fan of level later. I mean, you're, you're going to be cranking something up that's not there. Well, let me reach a little mid-ground on this for people who say I'm dogging on it. Let's suppose that you are absolutely convinced that you have to have Levelator. You like the sound of it. That's the, what you want your podcast to sound like. Fine. But for gosh sakes, learn to record without it and use it after the fact such that that it doesn't have to do a lot of work. You don't want it to have to balance levels that are really low with levels that are really high. Just make sure it doesn't have to work so hard, and at least you'll get a better result out of it. Now, I want to come clean on something today. I've never done this before. Uh-oh. Yep. Are you ready for this? And, yep. Okay. I, I mean, I, I'm, I'm going to be very candid. Um, I, have, I have dealt with some people who... <laughs> You know, Andrew, uh, with regard to audio, and I say, do this, do that. Okay, I've done that, and then their audio sounds not so good. 
And upon further investigation, you learned that they really didn't follow your advice because they didn't agree with it. They went back to their old ways of doing things. They had gotten used to listening to it that way, so they turn it on and they like it, and it really doesn't sound so good. So what I've always done is, for the most part, recommend that if you have a gate limiter compressor in your microphone, turn it off. If you're doing uh, post-recording processing uh, on your audio to get boom and sizzle, don't do it. I have a confession. Okay. Uh, and I believe it or not, this happened to me just this week, and um, it actually took me by surprise. I have identified what I think is probably the best podcast audio of any of the podcasts that I listen to, other than GFQ. Of course. Thank you. This is no offense attended to any of my friends, but um, I, I think that um, quite candidly, if you listen to uh, Donovan Adkisson's audio, at adkissendigital.com. I, if I were going to pick a model to model my audio after, it would be Donovan's uh, audio. Now, the reason that I'm confessing and the reason that it is, uh, is a shock is because, much to my surprise, I think, Donovan is using some post-processing in Adobe Audition. I think if you use a proper amount of processing, you can make it sound phenomenal. I'm not against processing. I think processing is is a great addition. It gives you that little kick. But the problem is people overly process things. I cannot hear it working. I don't. I do not have the greatest hearing in the world. Well, that that's exactly what you want, right? You if yep. you don't hear I, it working, that's when you know it's good. That's correct. That now, is great. Great processing. If you don't hear it. I challenge you to go to DonovanAdkisson.com, pick one of his podcasts, listen to it. If you disagree, hit me up on Twitter. Let me know that you disagree because the reason I, sh- I share this and come clean on it is because if, if you don't agree that his audio is good, I can't help you because I'm going to try to get your audio to sound like his. Interesting. I- I'm going to listen to it afterwards. I think, now, he uses, I think that, he uses a Cardinal also, right? The, my, no, 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 no. He's using a PR-40. Is he? Okay. Because he had yeah, a Cardinal yeah. at one point. Yeah, he may have, but okay. uh, he, uh, he recovered from that. But <laughs> the, um, the, the reason that I mention it again is because there could be something in his setup that, uh, and he's actually going to do a test. I, I corresponded with him this morning. He's going to do a before and after test because I'm really intrigued by his setup in that uh, he has, for example, a homemade uh, windscreen on his microphone. That may be, for example, creating some sort of funkiness in the response curve that his his post-processing is doing a great job. I don't know. I'm very curious. But, again, if if you want my help and if you want to know what I think is a good model, at this point in time, if he doesn't screw with it, <laughs> Donovan's audio, I think, is great. So let's. Um, I want to go into the Skype rabbit hole here uh this is something that i have seen over and over and over again if i go on a message board if i go on any of the google groups or the facebook podcasting groups you constantly see people saying skype sucks skype is awful i can't even work with skype i can't, the audio is so bad there's so many problems with skype I'm astonished at this. I'm. It blows me away that so many people have a dislike for Skype. I personally have never found, uh, I've been searching for a long time, there's no other 
video and audio combo out there that is better than Skype. Now, let's go into some of the reasons why people have this idea of Skype. What are they doing wrong and what can they do to improve their Skype connection? Well, but let's before we do that, though, let's acknowledge that a lot of those complaints are very legitimate. A lot of people do have a lot of problems with uh, with Skype. There's no question. They do. But Absolutely. Now, m- many, if not most of them are fixable. So so that's, I think, what we're leading into at this point. And I mean, I mean if you don't have a good Internet connection, Skype can't work well for you. Of course, no, n- nor will any other service. Yeah, no, no, I mean, you, you know what? Some may work better. Uh, I'll tell you that. There are some services that that may work better. That's why I think people go to Google Hangouts a little bit more. They're a little bit more oh. attracted to Hangouts because for whatever reason, Google's able to kind of balance your internet connection a little bit better than what Skype is able to do. Okay, uh, and they don't have any bandwidth. Who does Audio. Yes, you know I, what? you're I, right. You're absolutely right in that sense. Even video, too. I want to address this. I want to address this before we get to Skype. I guess it's tangentially related. I... I offer to do some evaluations for people on their audio if they don't get mad and don't get their feelings hurt and all that. And you know what I told them? If you're doing a Google Hangout, don't ask. The Google Hangout audio is so bad, it is not worth doing. Now, did I just say you shouldn't use Google Hangouts? No. We do a show using Google Hangouts. Why? Because it is, in essence, uh, an information-based show, and it works, and it works okay, and, and we're happy with it. It meets our needs, so it may meet your needs. But but don't try to go optimize your audio to get something that's going to impress your friends and neighbors and get the girls uh, by doing a Google Hangout. The audio is not yeah, – there's the studio mode, supposedly, for Hangout on air and so forth, but the Hangout is just not there. Do not – don't ask – I mean, uh, even uh, some people in our group would would go into our hangout that we do regularly and say, "How does this sound? Sounds like crap." Hangouts uh, not, I'm not the place to go. Hangouts is not. So we've done hangouts twice, for example, when we have had problems with a certain guest on Skype. Our backup's always been Hangouts, and Hangouts has, for whatever miraculous reason, worked. Now the audio quality is atrocious. The video quality is not. Anywhere near Skype, there is currently nothing better than Skype uh, in that in that department with a combination. But audio plus video, audio I plus agree. video, audio plus audio video only. I disagree. Audio only. No, there there are tons of better stuff out there, which we're going to get to. But let's talk about some of the reasons why people have Skype issues. Most of the time, let's say ninety percent of the time, it is something happening on your end. Either you don't have the bandwidth, which a lot of people don't. Uh, they're on Wi-Fi. They're not on a wired connection. Ugh, great. They point. may have some router issues. They may be on an older router. I've seen or that. Or there's a setting in there. I forget what it is that that uh, media files don't like. I, I, I'm I'm not a networking guy, but if I think about it, I might be able to NAG AG. Something, but there's a setting in the router, particularly Netgear routers, that you should turn off because it it wants to interfere with media files. Uh, the other issue you may have is that you're running something on your computer. I have had numerous issues with Skype where I've had to troubleshoot something with the person, and I've team viewered in, and I see that they're running 190 to 200 processes in the background. Uh, that's not a normal thing to do. 
And Chrome is one of the worst offenders because if you're opening multiple tabs in Chrome, it's really eating your computer up. Um, I'm pretty I'm pretty aware of what I'm running. I'm pretty aware of uh, my internet connection and, and what we're doing. Uh, so th- this is this is that side where you're not able to have a connection or it's falling apart, it's breaking up, and you can't send video. The majority of the time, that is something on your end. And I and I could almost guarantee you that if you wiped it wiped out your computer and you start afresh, you probably will not experience that problem if you have a decent internet connection and you're doing all that right. Now, as far as the audio is concerned for Skype, I I don't understand the idea that people say the audio is not that great for Skype. I think it's it's better than what's out there when you're combining video with it. But what could people do to improve the audio? In, let's say they their computer is fine, their internet connection is fine. Uh, they're not having these choppy, you know, breakups with the audio. What what are some little things that they could do to kind of take their Skype call to the next level? I think though that this is the part where you have to make sure that whatever equipment you're using to send the audio to Skype uh, is critical. Uh, and, and when I say critical, I don't mean expensive. I mean that you you can't have ground loops. You've got to – the simplest solution – in fact, I just had this thought. For someone who thinks that Skype audio is not good, I would challenge you to listen to to whatever this audio is here. This is as good as I know how to make it. No boom sizzle processing, no nothing other than through the Andrew stream, which you, you can sort of understand that. I mean, remember, you're, I, you're also going through Skype compression. This this is go, this is a Skype connection. If this audio is not good enough, and you think it's Skype, then you know so be it. But uh, quite candidly, I think Skype audio is is first class. What I would suggest, if you don't think Skype audio is good in your situation, or you say I just can't get good Skype audio, like I struggled with video a couple of years ago, then get an AT two double O five, a Q two U. Take that microphone, go straight into the computer. Don't use any other external equipment. Select that uh, source for Skype, and have someone on the other end who has a studio, who has professional interface. Call me, call it, do what? Do with someone. Let's test it and find out. You will be stunned. In fact, um, at the end of the day today, I'm actually doing a Skype setup and test with a guy of mine on a project that I'm getting involved with. And um, uh, he's going to be using a Q2U from his home on Skype, the first time he's ever used Skype. And what I'm going to do to demonstrate to him the quality of Skype, which he is not aware of, is he is going to call me, I'm going to record his voice and send it back to him as a digital file. I would love to be sitting in front of him when he hears it for the first time. He has no clue the quality of Skype. This is a guy who was in the radio business for many, many years and was actually uh, going to do remote broadcast back in 1998. He put together a, a, a proposal to um, put uh, to do be able to do his remote uh, radio show, ten thousand dollars. Wow! Now it's free. He, yeah. I, I would give anything to be able to see his face when he hears how good Skype is. Now, the project that we're doing, we're not going to be using Skype. It's an easy communications tool. It works. It, uh, it 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 gets through firewalls. There are a lot of good things about it. You give the devil its due. But in terms of Skype alternatives, once you have a good equipment set up, you get the maximum out of Skype. There may be reasons to switch to other 
uh, uh, options at this point. And there are two that I'm particularly interested in because of some new things that have happened since the last time I was on the IAIB Spotlight. Yeah, and, and, and I want to go into those. Uh, but you, okay. you hit something that I wanted to touch. Uh, sure. the, doing the right things with Skype, meaning Mix Minus, for example. Uh, and we've gone into this. A lot of people say, here's a great misconception. You don't need Mix Minus with Skype. It's a great one. It does echo cancellation. You don't. You don't need yeah. mix minus with Skype. And like all misconceptions, there is some element of truth. Absolutely. To that. And the element of truth is that you can, uh, you can um, plug your mixers and everything into Skype with no mix minus. Send your program feed to Skype. Get involved in a conversation, and there's a good chance it will work perfectly. However, there. If you have what I would refer to, for the lack of a better description, as complex audio, that is, if you, I guess, have conversations where you're trying to talk over each other, where you have music in the background, maybe where there's some background noise, whatever. If uh, if you have what you complex audio, Skype echo cancellation gets lost, and what you will hear when Skype echo cancellation is trying to work is I would be talking with you and and finish a sentence. And then you start talking, and I hear the tail end of what I just said, maybe delayed half a half a second, 400 milliseconds, something like that, coming back to me because echo cancellation is trying to resync and trying to work at that moment in time. That's yeah. why I think it's advisable. It's a good idea. I always recommend that if you're going to get serious about your audio, make sure that you have a mix minus to, uh, to feed Skype. And if you don't know what Mix Minus is, go to the IAIB website and go to the uh, blog section. And there's some sec- some audio, uh, some articles there on IAIB. Uh, Which you wrote. Boy, it's a long day. <laughs> uh, there are some uh, articles there on Mix Minus, how to interface with Skype with your computer with regard to Mix Minus and so forth. And there are some excellent uh, videos on YouTube. Uh, I'm thinking particularly um, one that... Uh, uh, that I saw that I, d- I didn't agree with everything in it. It was a little different in terms of the connectors to use. And I, I know Ray Ortega did one, did excellent video, good, uh, good, good one to watch and to learn about um, uh, uh, Mix Minus on YouTube. But the reality is that if you use it, then you're not likely to have a problem. If you don't use it, then you're a candidate to have a Skype yeah. problem. Um here, here's a, a little tip, okay? And Mike and I have kind of realized this. If you're listening to the audio right now, um, listen to Mike's audio. I'm gonna, I'm gonna stay quiet for a second. And what is it that you would like to, me to say? Hello, world. Now is the time for all good people to come to the aid of their country. Okay. Now Mike's gonna stop talking for a second. That's a good one. There is no Skype hiss. And this is a problem that a lot of people have, and it is something that drives me crazy to Skype hiss, where I have guests, I have co-hosts on the show, I have tried everything to eliminate the Skype hiss, and I cannot get rid of it. Sometimes you could kind of finagle it where you could bring down the levels, you could bring, make sure your levels are perfectly set, uh, make sure everything is leveled on both sides, where one is not using more you know, gain than the other one, but... I have come to the conclusion that some sound cards are noisy sound cards, and they will generate Skype hiss. For the life of me, I have not been able to determine which sound cards are doing this. 
and, some do and some don't. And sometimes I, I've had people that have called me and they're connecting to a cheapo onboard sound card. And it's, per- I mean, m- perfect. And other times people are using a $200 Sound Blaster Creative Sound Card and all I hear is Skype hiss. I can't figure out for the life of me exactly which cards are responsible for this and which chipset is responsible. It's not a specific brand. It could be a certain chipset that they're using in that sound card. I'm trying to figure this out. And you and I talked about this some time ago. And uh, look, when when somebody gives me an idea for a problem or shows me a solution, I like to give them credit because all I do is pass along the things that I've learned from others over the years anyway. And this is something that you have complained about for a long time. And I haven't experienced it nearly as much as you have. But then again, I don't do nearly the amount of broadcasting that you do, not not even close. So the fact that you've experienced it uh, doesn't really have any impact on what I might have run into. But there really are two issues here based on what you and I have been able to determine. And one is that some Skype calls have a hiss in them. They absolutely do. I, I have heard it, not frequently, but I've heard it. And it was you who came up with the thought that really the only thing we haven't isolated at this point is the sound card. And what that means is that at some point we're going to have to find someone who has a quote-unquote Skype hiss, and we're going to have to get them to actually take the sound card out of their computer, put a new one in, and see if the problem goes goes away. away. And by the way, when we talk about Skype hiss, we're not talking about ground loops. We're not talking about buzzes. We're not talking about – it's not a sound. It's – does it make sense if I said emptiness, like a void? Does that make any sense to to you, Mike? If I describe really. it as like I I don't know how to how to explain it to people when I refer to Skype hiss because a lot of people think that it is a uh, like a buzz and because they go oh no I don't hear a hiss well it's it's it sounds to a lot of people and because it can be and it happens all the time is is it can be room noise fans running in the background computer fans uh, I mean that can sound like a hiss absolutely. But there's also this this annoying little symptom in there that the that if like when I was quiet, you didn't hear anything. When Andrew is quiet, you don't hear anything. That if you're quiet and listen, you can hear this shh, white noise in the background. That's hiss is really white or brown noise. And the problem with that noise is no gating or anything will take it out. Nothing. It's in the signal. It is there permanently. You have to find the problem and eliminate it. Do you, have you found a, a, a patch? Like, there's nothing you could do, right? Like, I mean, you've been searching for an answer to this, and so have I. You have not come to any conclusion other than it depends on the sound card. It could be. It could be in the sound card because there are a few little gremlins floating around in Internet audio that I don't have my finger on totally yet. One is the Skype hiss problem, which, again, is not a big problem to me. And even though, I mean, your your hearing is very critical. You have much better hearing than I do because you're, you're a child compared to me. I, I um, hear like the, uh, what is it, like the dog whistle. I could hear that. Yes. And so you're hearing things that we cannot necessarily hear. But there's also another problem, a little bit of a diversion here, but I think it's important for people who are interested in this content, is that they're are some USB mixers that have a ground loop in the audio channel. 
the yeah, USB right. audio channel. So that goes into the other misconception out there, which I, I've I've said this for a long time, and I'm starting to take it back now because I think that we are getting a little bit better with these USB the USB output on these mixers, and that's never buy a mixer with USB output or don't use a USB output. I've been and saying I that totally for a long time. Disagree. I, and, and, and I absolutely disagree. This is where we don't don't agree. And I'm going to go based on my personal experience. I've used, but there's hope for you. Okay, I've used three USB based mixers. Now this was a couple years ago, and every single one of them has had an awful grand loop from the USB. Boy, talk about low hanging fruit. Let me guess that the mixer was a Mackie Pro FX. One, yes, two Pro FXs and one Behringer. The Pro FXs are known to have issues on some of their USB sound cards built in. Okay. So, I mean, that makes a lot of sense. Now we know. Um, and, and that's why I've always recommended people, if you can, go, you know, line in, uh, go main out to line in and just go based on that. But you don't think that's always the answer. What, what, is, nope. the, what, what is the pro as far as using a USB mixer and not going into your sound card? What do I, how do I benefit from that? Well, I'm not sure exactly what you're asking because the pro solution is to use a very, very expensive sound card and go in by uh, analog or to have a digital mixer, for example, a, a Behringer X32 type mixer that has connectivity through the USB to the computer, which is a USB connection, uh, or even a FireWire connection to your computer. I mean, there are ways to go in digitally and to go in analog. Uh, but, but the answer to what I think the misconception about the USB mixer is, is that um, uh, while there have been issues with some USB connections, think uh, the, U- the Behringer series mixers, the USB built-in sound card is really a UCA-202. It's the same, same as thing. this external UCA-202, which I think I've never heard anyone complain about one except uh, except Nick Craig, and uh, I think he got a bad one. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had some noises that would pop up, and he could do some resetting and things. So anyway, what is the difference? I would challenge you then. What is the difference if you're going to look at an analog conversion? If you come out of a Mackie mixer, and go into a Behringer UCA202 and into your computer. You're doing the same How thing. is that any different from coming out of a Behringer mixer and going into your computer? No, you're absolutely right. And, and I've totally, I changed my opinion on this. I've also changed my opinion on Behringer, Behringer uh, mixers. Uh, I was one of those people, and, and a lot of people know the joke, what is Behringer in German? Uh, I'm not going to say it here on the show, but I was Probably a true not. believer uh, that Behringer is bottom of the barrel, you're getting it's bang for your buck. You're paying very little, and you're getting a whole lot. And a lot of these mixers have problems. Well, that may have been true a couple of years ago. As far as I know, uh, I've only heard of a couple bad stories from Behringer over the last couple of years, and these things are lasting forever. Uh, I know people that have had a Behringer mixer for a long time. They they have used it consistently every day. They never have a problem with these Behringer boards. Well, I'm going to have to agree and disagree. But uh, I mean, and it might surprise it, you. It could you could get a bad piece of hardware with any company. Now, absolutely, I, I, I do think that they are making them a little bit better than they used to. And I agree with that. But and I'm going to probably hurt some people's feelings, particularly if they bought what I've recommended, which is a Behringer, and that is that these are cheap mixers. 
Uh, I mean, if you go into a commercial, look at what you're using, Andrew. Look at what a real piece of commercial equipment is. You're using what eight, ten thousand dollars worth of equipment. The average home podcaster is not going to be able to do that. So they go out, and I, I, it's always amusing to see someone post. I spent the money and got a Behringer X twenty four forty two. I'm in the big league now. Dude, you're not even in the remote broadcast league now. These things, the the radio stations and TV stations that buy them, uh, they, they'll use them for a project sometimes and throw them away because they're so inexpensive. It is not a, a, a professional piece of broadcast equipment. It is a, an amazing value for the money. Uh, and they can work and last a long time, and I do recommend them. But if you're going to do Internet broadcasting and podcasting for a living – I, that's not what I recommend. I recommend you go full pro like you did, Andrew, because you now have equipment that uh, is extremely durable. It has replaceable parts. The uh, aesthetics and the layout, the feel, the the just the the tactile feedback from the controls on it, it's a completely different process. You're absolutely right. If anyone who is used to using uh, a a Behringer mixer. Um, and I'm not talking about the X32 series. That, that's kind of a new ball game for Behringer. Do you, do you, I mean, I know a lot of people are looking at that. Personas was the was the hot thing a couple of years ago. Everybody was talking about Personas. It still is. It still is, and they make great stuff. But now it's it's that Behringer, it's that digital. Uh, is, is it truly digital? Is it? Well, what's di- I mean, what's digital? Uh, if you've got a microphone plugged in, it's analog at it's some analog. point, right? Yeah. Um, I mean, your voice is analog. But it's a it's a digital Behringer board, and it's a couple thousand dollars. It's about three thousand dollars, I think, that board for the bigger one. For the They've bigger got one, some smaller ones. Yeah, um, but we're what, using what the... we're using uh, for people asking because I'm getting messages from people now on Facebook saying what well, what are you using? Uh, we use Axia and Telosphere. Uh, we're using the Axia Radius console with the Core 32 engine. So I have 32 inputs and outputs on this. I could program it to you know for for whatever I want to do. Everything is set to mix minus. We have a digital to analog node that does all the mix minus for us. We don't have to, you know, fiddle around with the aux sends. Everything is set to zero dB. So it's set it and forget forget it. And that is the pro for this. Um, but do, would I? If you're doing this full time, if if you're doing if your career is podcasting and internet broadcasting, I truly recommend this thing. You're going to spend the money. You're going to invest the money. But you it it. Just like Mike said, those little things go a long way. No question. It's like staying. It's like saying I, I'm staying at a Hilton today, and I'm staying at the Ritz Carlton. It's the little well, things that go the long way. It, it, this, that the the of course again with the professional level, yours is called a console. It's not called a mixer, and your console is very could very easily still be in service twenty years from now. Yeah, you're absolutely right. People could be right. on their third or fourth Behringer. And and again, I'm not bad-mouthing Behringer or Mackie or the Yamahas. They are all well worth what they charge for those. Well, well worth it. And if you're and, – and this is the point we were making earlier in the show, which I, challenge me on it if you want. I don't care. But I will guarantee you that if I were to do a test between my Presonus, a, use, a, a, a Q2U microphone, and Andrew's – console to do an audio test using the same microphone you will not hear the difference Absolutely. you will not hear a thing no not a, not so. not at all it's going to be identical now with that said this isn't a necessity you don't and, and don't don't think i'm saying you know what if you're doing a full-time thing and this is your job you should go and buy this you should not 
it, it depends on what you want. It depends on how comfortable you are with the with the hardware that you have. If you if you still have trouble with mix minus and these are things that bother you and you're having issues with it, you know what? Then you should do the upgrade. If you've set this thing and you've got it perfectly fine and you're happy with it, you know what? A Behringer will go uh, for for years, and the odds are you will probably not have a problem with it. And that four hundred dollar investment that you made in that board will be more than enough. It's just the I, little I things agree. that it, now now we have reached a different level. It, it's a diff, it, it's a it's the little tiny things that will make your life a little bit easier. Like example, meter reading. Of which, Go ahead. Yep. Oh boy. No, I love that. That's a great point because the meters uh, on these cheap mixers, I say lovingly, are horrible, and the metering on your console is just it's world class. I mean, that's. I mean, metering in de- in general oh. for any like for example, we use Wirecast here for the metering. Uh, on the on the mm-hmm. on the computer, I have no idea what those meters mean. They they don't mean anything to me. Well, it depends on the calibration, which is beyond the scope of what we'll be able to talk about today. We need to do some YouTube videos on that because some people are not doing some proper calibration. And uh, I, I mean, like right I now I'm looking here, we're hitting a minus six on it. It's not calibrated. It's not. It, yeah, I mean, it, and we're not hitting a minus. I mean, it, it's not a minus six. I know that for a fact. So it's things like that, you know, that that still need to be uh, set. But before we run out of time, Mike, let, let, let's kind of go through some of this stuff because we were talking about Skype and I could talk to you forever. This is the problem with this show. Um, you brought up some other applications, other uh, Skype alternatives that exist out there that may work better for you. Yes. Uh, something that I recently discovered. Now, we've spoken about SIP. You've wrote a great article about SIP. You've also wrote a great article about creating a full duplex Skype call with running two versions of Skype, one to just receive the audio and one to send the audio. That also works phenomenal. Uh, The quality that, I mean, there's no zero ducking. Right now, we're not doing that with this call. But if you want to kind of work Skype a little bit, you could do that. You could kind of tweak your Skype to, to be phenomenal. But if you do an audio-only podcast and your guest calls into your show and you're not doing any video, I may not recommend Skype if you're looking to get really high quality. Something that Mike discovered and he turned me on to it is called Source Connect Now. Uh, it's yes. WebRTC-based, and you saw great results with this software. Well, Nick Craig and I did some testing, and... And by the way, again, to give credit where credit is due, uh, Vance Willis is the one who told me about it. Um, uh, he was on one of his shows uh, that um, uh, they, they get into really high-quality things, and and they discovered um, uh, this. And actually, I believe they actually had someone on from the show, as I recall. I see so many things, and I was ultimately able to connect with the developers, and they provided some good information uh, back to me with regard to Source Connect now, but Nick Craig and I did some testing, and sometimes first impressions are the best impressions. And what happened was that he and I were doing a WebRTC call using Source Connect now. We actually connected in stereo. Now, this is the benefit that Source Connect now has over Skype. There are really two benefits three benefits. One is that it can be in stereo. Another is that it is 128K, which is excellent bandwidth. The third being that it is a full duplex, and there you don't have to do two connections to get rid of ducking in 
uh, using Source Connect now. It is true duplex. And by the way, if you're interested in that Skype ducking issue, the article is on the uh, IAIB blog, and it's called Skype No Ducking. Now it's a little complicated if you uh, when you when you first see it, you may you may be a little intimidated, but it's actually quite simple uh, with that Skype article. Mike, with Source Connect, you have to read it. Sometimes, you got to read it several times. Yeah. I mean, re- really read it, and, and it's actually very, very simple. Uh, it may seem intimidating, but it's not. Uh, and it, if it you took don't us, get it, it took us five post minutes. On the I, toast on the I, uh, toast. Post on the IAIB, <laughs> and there. we'll answer it. You'll be toast if you don't post. Yeah, um, we'll be toast if you don't post. Do you, as far as the future of this stuff goes, do you think Source Connect is simple enough for someone to that that you know has trouble with Skype, for example? Let's let's yes. say you're not a fan of Skype, and you know. If I was doing an audio podcast, I probably would not be using Skype. Something that I would be doing, uh, and this may this is taking it to another level, is actually having hardware. I would do a hardware uh, based solution instead of doing software. But okay, you've gone off on video again. I, what did I do? Yeah, you're off on. No, no, you're going off. On I'm a going video off video. Issue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not we, we would, video. for audio. It makes no sense to have a hardware solution, in my opinion. For audio, yes. Uh, well. Yes and no. There's, there's many reasons why. I, I, I actually recommended someone t- to do a hardware-based solution because the person at the, on the other end is totally inept when it comes to computers. And they have nothing but trouble with their computer. They don't understand it. They don't want to understand it. So this guy actually went and bought a, a piece of hardware, SIP-based. What? Uh, not a, it wasn't a ZIP-1. It, was it was like the ZIP-1. One of the one of the codecs. One of the codecs. Yeah, commercial. And, and how has, much did he spend? He spent about two thousand dollars. There you go. That's but, not what we're talking about now. That's not what we're talking about. But he is on the radio, and and it was you know he he needs this guy to have proper audio. I if that's what you want to do, that's what you do. But there's software based solutions like Source Connect, which will give you 128 kilobit audio, which is unbelievable. We were impressed. I mean, the the re- again, the first impression that I was referring to is that uh, at one point it, it it was very very brief. But when Nick and I were testing, he would play audio and I would play audio. Meaning music one or point, were you playing yeah, music? Okay. Because it was in stereo, and his his first reaction was the best one when he said, "Wait a minute, who's playing that?" He had to look to see if he was playing it or I was playing it. That's how good it was. That's how good the quality was. Do you think Skype and Google will go into that level, uh, you know, with with the audio quality, or do you think they are trying to make it as simple as possible and they're, they're, they're catering to so many people where they have to pull yes back on yes. the quality? Uh, yes what, and yes. Like even studio mode, right? With with uh, right. Hang Google Hangouts. There. It does not sound good. No, but it is WebRTC, and WebRTC is the new standard, and I am told that actually the next version of Skype is going to be WebRTC. Uh, is it WebRTC? That's what I'm told. I have Using not, the Opus Codec. Using, using the, the well, Opus Codec. Let me back up. It's definitely using the Opus Codec. I take it back. I'm not sure that it's WebRTC. Okay. I, I think the two are being used interchangeably, and I may be guilty of misstating that. They will be using the Opus Codec. Um, I know that. I've spoken to Skype numerous times, uh, representatives there, and they are aware of the complaints from broadcasters. And they are coming up with a broadcasting solution specifically for us. Now, 
I don't know much about, I, I mean, whatever we know is out there. Anyway, people have posted this. Uh, we have it on the IIB. I've spoken about it before on shows. Beyond that, I don't know how much it's going to be. I, I have no idea if it's going to be something that that's even worth for us to do. But they are looking at other options as far as software. Instead of a hardware solution, they're looking at software solutions as well for broadcasters. Where I would love to say, you know what? I want to send 128K to Mike. And I pay for that. I'm paying a two, bonus. Yeah, but see, two years ago, I would have been... Uh, more concerned than I am now because there really, in two years ago, were not really any viable alternatives to Skype. Now it's a new game for audio. Video, we still have a way to go, but for audio, you, Skype can go out of business and uh, there are uh, alternatives available. So that's a good thing. Why don't, we, why don't you talk about some of the other alternatives other than uh, Source Connect before I wrap up? Well, there... They're, these are kind of esoteric, and I, I really only mention them for the sake of, of curiosity. I'm not necessarily recommending them. But, uh, again, we've talked about SIP, and that is if you haven't played with a SIP client, which is a session initiation protocol for what it's worth, go to iCanBlink.com, iCanBlink.com. Download the program Blink, whether it's Mac or PC. Uh, and But when you start the program, even if you already know what SIP is and have a SIP account, have the program to set up a new SIP account for you using the program. That will automatically configure it. Uh, SIP clients are notoriously difficult to set up. They're very confusing. It's, it's awful to have to do it. That'll solve the problem. Connect with someone who has a good quality audio setup. Uh, Blink is now using the, the Opus codec at 48 kilohertz. And for most people, I don't mean this unkindly, for most people it's darn good enough to use as a Skype alternative and it doesn't have some of the limitations that Skype does. Also, there are reasons you may want to run a lower bandwidth codec if you have internet problems. You can do that with the SIP client. You can't do that with Skype. Uh, another option that we've toyed with but not really persuaded is a solution yet is actually TeamSpeak, the gaming conferencing service. Which has been around for uh, a long time. Well, it has been, and, and we did some testing whenever they released a new version of their server using the Opus codec. We were able to set up a, uh, a server with very wideband audio. And in fact, I even used it for a terrestrial radio show once. No one could tell it was not Skype. But uh, ultimately, when it was released, there are possibility that they put some governors on the bandwidth. Mm. So I'm not sure that it's an alternative right now. There's a similar one called Team, uh, team Talk. Uh, there is a an open source uh, wideband solution called Fidelifone, F-I-D-E-L-I-P-H-O-N-E. That one requires that you know how to do port forwarding and the like. And there is a commercial solution called Audio Compass, which uh, the price has come down, but it's still something you have to purchase. But it gives you extraordinarily good quality, wideband, full duplex audio. So those are some of the options that you could consider. Uh, so it, there's more than just Skype out there, obviously. There is now. Um, and before I wrap up, and, and I, I just want people to remember this. In order to get good audio, you don't have to go and pay a lot. Uh, I, Mike is out there giving this information away for free. I'm giving it away for free. There's really no secret to achieving what you know decent quality video and audio. The information is out there. It just 
be careful where you're looking for the information. Yeah, don't pay any of these quote-unquote consultants to teach you things that are available for free. If if you just can't understand what you're reading and somebody has to hold your hand, maybe, but but don't run out there and 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 go to these Amway salesmen to to do that. It's 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 a pet peeve of mine, and I'm sorry I don't mean to hurt anyone's feelings, but do your homework first and and solve your own problems before you go get someone else to to try to do that. You also should look into who's giving you this advice. There's a lot of bad advice out there. There's a lot of people out there that stand by certain things uh, that I don't I wouldn't agree with. Uh, that doesn't mean that they're wrong, but if Mike Phillips, for example, set up our audio, and he's a guy that's been in radio for 50 years. He, he understands what works and what doesn't and why certain things work and why certain things don't. And like I said, we, we don't agree all the time with certain things, uh, and, that, and that's fine. I mean, you're talking about a very small amount of, of detail. You know, I like a little bit more compression. He doesn't like it, but that doesn't mean that it's right or wrong. But again, look at the credibility of the person. Look at if they're experienced in this field. Uh, that's what you should be looking at when you're looking to get advice. I know a lot of people that are giving away advice, even for free, for example, and they have no history, no connection to radio. Uh, they they hooked up, they did a podcast a couple of years ago, and they're going based on that. But this is what I was saying earlier, though, Andrew, and when I mentioned Donovan Adkisson's, uh, com, his audio, we all have opinions, and they're not, not one is right or wrong or better or worse than another. And that is that when I was learning audio, I found audio that I like, and I learned how to, to emulate that audio. And that's why I said if you listen to Donovan's audio and you don't like it, don't bother me because I can't help you. That's what I think is good, and that's what I'm going to shoot for. There are other people who might not like it or prefer a different sound, and, and you should ask their advice on how they got that sound if that's what you want. I will give you one – we, we're winding it up, but I, I will give you one little takeaway from this that will make you a hero in audio if you want it, and that is the secret to good quality audio is to keep your chain clean. And that what that means is when we started that attitude in the radio business, that meant you start – at the connector on the microphone, you trace your chain all the way through the mic preamp, through the console, through the compressor, to the transmitter, to the tower. If it's clean all along the way, you're going to have good, clean audio. If there is a weak link in the chain, fix it, and you will have good results. Very good. With that said, it's time to wrap up. Mike, how could people reach you? Where can people find you? What are you doing? I know you do a podcast every Sunday, Computers 2K Now. Uh, with Amnon Nissan and Nick Craig, you, you do that. But where else can people reach you uh, if they want some advice? Obviously, the IIB forum. Well, I've post yes, uh, that's that's probably as good a place as any. But I also have a website, MikePhillips.me, and where it actually goes to a a uh, uh, site that I post some articles and things that might be of use and some suggestions and recommendations. But I am a big Twitter user, and during uh, uh, nights and weekends, you can usually reach me at MC Phillips. Uh, I, as long as you're not spamming, I'll probably follow you back. So, so follow me, and I'd be glad to, to have an exchange with you if necessary. And if you, just to end this, if you were to give one bit of advice, what would it be? Very quick. Keep it buzzing. No, I mean, keep it clean. Keep, keep it, it clean. clean. Uh, and that's it for us, guys. Uh, we'll be back next week with another guest here on the IIB Spotlight. Again, go to our website, IAIB, 
you can follow us actually on Twitter, IIB Network. You can go to our website, ibroadcastnetwork.org. You can sign up there. Uh, join the forum. Join the discussion. A lot of great people out there. And again, subscribe to this podcast. We're everywhere podcasts are available. We're also on the GFK Network, gfknetwork.com. And we'll be back next week with another IAIB Spotlight.